we're gonna we have a nice little sit down. Warren and I, Warren Barton, we're, we're first name basis on this podcast with Warren. Okay, if you've been around Greg for forty five seconds, he'll, <laughs> he'll drop the oh, I was texting Warren the other day. <laughs> you're like, oh, must be nice to text. Well, I was Warren saying Blair. the podcast is a is first name basis with Warren. No, I don't know. I still call him <laughs> Mister Barton. <laughs> okay, fine. You can you can have it. You can have it. But uh, Warren and I sit down. We talk about the state of the club, essentially. It's unfortunate that we have to keep doing those interviews with him, but uh, hopefully we'll get a positive one coming up. Uh, but who knows? And then after that, we're going to reminisce about the greatest man that ever lived, Rafa Benitez. So let's get started, huh? Mm. First thing I want to get to is our, our prince, the prince of CHN Radio, Sean Longstaff. There's a lot of lot of stuff going on about him, and there's a rumored twenty five pound agreement between twenty five million pound. Yeah, not twenty twenty five pounds would be an undersell, I would say. Uh, so twenty five million pounds, uh, an agreement that was done between Manchester United and Newcastle. So there's interesting because, like a little earlier today, it was reported that it was actually going to be a fifteen million pound bid that Manchester United's preparing to, to cash out. But we'll start with you, Elijah. What's your thoughts on all this? I mean, I, you, 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 it was a whole Manchester United's going to offer 25 mil, and now it's the price they see. And so, of course, they're going to come in a little lower, 15 mil. I mean, it's an interesting prospect if you're Sean Longstaff, but if you're Sean Longstaff, there's way less pressure to stay at home in Newcastle and play your game. I think there's a bigger opportunity to – to ultimately fail at Manchester United and get lost in the wave of this new generation of English talent by not getting play time at Manchester United, which as much as I believe in old Gunner, um, I just don't know if Sean Longstaff's going to start in that midfield on a consistent basis after his small sample size of when nine to 14 games. Um, but he could find himself starting in Newcastle simply because we won't have the players to do so. So, I mean, if I'm Sean Longstaff, I stay in Newcastle. I mean, at least till Matty is able to get some first-team action in certain places. Um, but, I mean, I don't think anyone has any idea what's going on through the mind of Sean Longstaff because he's never been put in this situation before. So, it's not like we can get a good read on kind of how he's, he wants to respond or how he's going to respond or even his true thoughts. We know how Iose feels about transfer requests and transfer rumors. He's completely welcome to him, pretty open about the fact that he wouldn't mind leaving Newcastle. But, Sean, it's very up in the air. And so I think that's what makes this interesting is that I think genuinely nobody knows. There's people who are convinced he's leaving, and there's people like me who are convinced that he's probably not going to leave the club anytime soon. Yeah. Um, we, we've talked about this about, like, um, there's a few players that have left the U system and moved on to, to – better systems and they're still in that youth system and we're like man if they would have stayed here they'd be on the first team so um yeah, plenty of guys yeah there's plenty of people um and this would be a perfect example obviously sean already knows he pretty much has a first team spot i mean it's it's there so he's so does he want to leave to be on the bench because he can't I mean, I'm sure he's not even not enough to think that he would start immediately. He's obviously better than everyone on, on the team but for Manchester United. But they'll put him on the bench to start. I mean, he's the best player in England. Mm-hmm. So uh, of course. it'll be only a matter of time before they figure it out. 
Um, but yeah, just stay. I mean, you're a hometown kid. Just come stay, stay with us. Just let it, we'll, you know, he's just as upset about the club as we are. So like, let's do this together, Sean. Let's do mm. it together. Preach. <laughs> That's all I have for that. Is there any, anything else that you've heard? No, nothing I've heard so far. I mean, okay. I still, I think like people are hesitant to talk about it just because I don't know. It's hard to see what Sean said, what he said so far about, you know, potentially interest and stuff is he's been pretty positive and his commitment to Newcastle and such. Yeah. Um, same with our next player. I know you had some Miguel Amaron update. You want to give the people. Yeah. So Miguel Amaron just, uh, it was valiant effort, but he just closed out his Copa America uh, tournament for Paraguay. They lost in penalties to Brazil. I mean, and and Paraguay was a man down. It was actually like a pretty admirable effort. Um, there, he uh, he's obviously a really good player, and you could see that by this tournament. So I just wanted to kind of talk about like uh, we'll, we'll leave with you, obviously, Elijah. You're the you're the resident Almiron expert. Uh, what, how do you think he performed in the Copa America? And obviously we're sad that he was eliminated, but happy that he's going to get some rest before the season starts as well. I mean, I think it was easily his best and Paraguay's best Copa America of recent history. Um, he played outstandingly well, was easily um, Paraguay's most important player. They've had a whole manager fiasco and they have a new manager that knows how to use Miguel tactically and it's I mean even when he was dominating the MLS and his confidence was was at an all-time high I've never seen him play this confident um, especially coming off the back of a season where like he desperately wanted to have some sort of something show up in the stat sheet whether it be a goal or an assist show up and like unfortunately was not able to get it done and most players when you know you make your debut for a new club and there's a lot of pressure on you. You don't perform to the best of your ability and it's cut um, short by injury. Like they usually get down in the dumps and you know, you, it's hard. It's sometimes it's hard to, to, to fathom whether or not they're going to actually respond well mentally from, you know, not, you know, being incredibly impressive or impressing as much as they want to um, in their debut um, in their own mind. Uh, but Miguel, literally did the exact opposite of what many people would do. And he, he played even better uh, than he, he, you could argue he played even better than he did with Newcastle and had a bit an even more of an impact on Paraguay than he did with Newcastle. So it's, it's certainly promising to see. Um, I certainly do hope he sticks around so far. He seems like he's going to, um, but then again, we don't know who the manager is um, going to be next season or what well, the status Neil, of the Neil Redfern. So, oh. Gosh, well, you know, <laughs> yeah, but I'm excited. I'm excited to see him in the Premier League, and it's cool to see him playing with so much confidence. Yeah, no, it really is. The biggest thing for me was I wanted to see just I wanted to see him healthy and run around and making a difference, and that's exactly what I got. Uh, it's always tough to see how somebody's going to come back from an injury, regardless what the injury is. It's you just always want to see it go well, and he's obviously fit and. So I know I know he will be allowed to join Newcastle a little bit later than usual, mm-hmm. but I'm interested to see if and I wouldn't mind it at all if he completely misses the Asia trip. I mean, he just they just got done, and in two weeks they have to go to like he'd have to go to China. So it's like let him rest. Like he doesn't yeah. have to go. He I hope so. So um, 
Cool. And another thing, uh, Christian Atsu has played two matches for Ghana in the Africa Cup of Nations. Um, he's starting play, playing the full match. He's like one of their top players. They drew both matches. They drew against 0-0 against Cameroon and then 2-2 to Benin. Fun fact there. Okay. Um, also, I did see something earlier about Atsu. Um, he had, he strained his hamstring today. Um, oh. He, oh, oh, on Saturday against Cameroon, he played 15 minutes and then came off the pitch. So, um, it people are uh, oh. they it's having it looked at right now. This is breaking, somewhat breaking news. Um, yeah, having uh, it looked at right now. On Tuesday, they play Guinea Bissau. Yeah, but I, I'm assuming that he will not be playing now. Yes, I think it's also Guinea-Bissau, but... Yeah, well, that was the first time I've ever seen the net country on a <laughs> yeah, paper but while, so the thing we should pay attention to the most <laughs> is that, that name. Yeah, ever. it's fair. Um, I think pretty sure Guinea-Bissau is near South Africa, but don't fact-check me on that. Is it, it's uh, probably in the continent of Africa. That's, is that safe uh, to say? That's safe to say. Yeah, I think you're right. Um but I think the the tests are not are, are pretty much to see whether or not it's a strain or possibly a tear, which um, could mean that he would possibly miss preseason or at least part of it, but possibly the whole preseason. So that's just something to keep on your radar. It's going to be hard to definitely find consistent news unless something big happens. So hopefully it kind of stays small and it's just a hamstring strain and we see him in a couple weeks. Yeah. And for geography nerds out there, Guinea-Bissau is West Africa. Oh, so good for them. Yeah. All right. Um, now let's get into Mike Ashley. Uh, there's an exclusive interview from the Mirror, um, and I'll I'll just read the beginning part of it here. Um, Mike Ashley has claimed it's not my fault. Rafa Benitez is leaving. It goes on to say the controversial Newcastle chief is blaming the club's potential new owners for him pulling the plug on fan favorite Benitez's three-year timeside reign. Um, so, so this is – and a lot of people, I mean, we know our fans, how, how we reacted to it. They were right on it. Basically saying, like, oh, this is, this is the denials. This is, like, the same thing that we've always – we've been on the same road so many different times um, where something bad happens and Mike Ashley releases a statement and, oh, it's not really his, my fault, and then more and more stuff comes in this trend um i mean i guess this is mike actually saying that there's a legitimate bid happening <laughs> i mean or at least like, or he's just using it or... to yeah using it to keep his like name clean which is impossible at this point i don't know what do you have a comment on that quote i mean <laughs> i think <sighs> It's it's a hard sell for a lot of reasons, but the main one being like it like I don't know if that that doesn't make sense business wise at all. Like I don't know why you would like why would you fire like your manager like why would you not renew the contract of the manager and create some sort of stability in the club? Um, even if you're talking to someone about selling, if if you're if you're even like, cause I think my issue is that there's no exclusivity, which is something everyone keeps talking about. And so if there's no exclusivity, it doesn't matter what BCG wants. 
because there's potentially another buyer or there's, you're still open to other bidders. So it's Actually, like, yeah, that's a great point because, all right, so if you're doing this because the new owners don't want Rafa, like we've, I know for a fact we've had two takeover bids that have failed miserably and you didn't do anything then. Like I'm yeah. sure they had demands that they would want the club to be, but you didn't do anything. So what, like why don't then you again, let them do it? And then again, every bid we've heard about has been contingent on Rafa staying. And the BTG thing about, I think, that doesn't make any sense because there's conflicting reports as to whether or not they want Rafa. But more importantly, it just doesn't make sense business-wise to have an unstable situation at your club. And it's not your call as the current owner to fire or fire the manager. Like your job is to kind of keep the club as is and do what's best for the club in the moment. And in the moment, what was best for the club was re-signing Rafa Benitez. And if they don't like him, if BCG doesn't like him, if that's true, then they can fire him, and that's their problem. It's not your issue yeah. to deal with as the, as the current owner. Um, it's not, and, if it, and if it was, it'd be something that you'd put in a contract, which means that a bid's already been submitted and the club's getting sold. Yeah. But, like, that's least likely and that's like that's like if you buy a house and it's like oh there's something wrong with the ac um the current owners of the house have to fix the ac that sure that makes sense but like that's no such thing that we we've heard of that's reported and like if that's true i would like to see it like show me the receipts or something but it's mike ashley and we're not going to get that but it just it just doesn't make sense as business wise and let's be fair on this podcast, we've mentioned this a lot, but a lot of the things Mike Ashley does as a, quote, great businessman are just, like, not good business practices at it's all. amazing he has <laughs> as much money. It really is. It, it's, it gives me hope. <laughs> it really, yeah. 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 Um, I'll tell you what. A lot of things will be cleared up when this Rafa Benitez tell-all gets released. Yeah. Uh, today. Oh. If you're listening to the podcast on Monday, then today. Uh, and um, that's going to clear a lot of things up. Yeah, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see. I can't wait. Rafa side. Um, do you have anything him. else on? Finish him, Rafa. Yeah. Finish yeah. him. <laughs> do you have any additions to Mike Ashley? Because there's a there's something that we did forget to mention. That okay. We did. I don't think we talked about it on the last podcast because there was just so much that happened. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. But there's a couple things that have happened. Um, Let's see. Uh, so there is a new group formed, a new protest group that we have an exclusive with on our on our site, um, and we'll get into it later. But it, I mean, we'll definitely just mention it. There's a group that's um, talking about boycotting uh, the Arsenal match, and so it just re raises a a question. And you know, I'm sure Greg and and uh, Warren talk a little bit more in detail about it, but it would be remiss of us to not mention you know some news and then of course um what's more interesting to me is um i mean i think that the boycott arsenal group is interesting and of course as someone who's followed the the various takeover not takeover protest groups throughout the year i think they're off to a a fine start but every group starts off well um i don't know if it's going to work out uh but what are your thoughts on this off the bat because i mean i want to i definitely want to hear your personal thoughts um on a potential boycott at arsenal oh sorry against Arsenal, which, of course, is the first game in the season. Yeah, I, I thought about this because I've heard both sides, and I was really trying to get my, like, r- my rawest reaction to like, what I would believe in. And I've, just, I've 
decided I'm definitely I'm pro boycott. Okay. Um, and one of the oh, it was this was on Talk Sport, and it was like actually a brilliant, a rare brilliant quote by them. No, so actually, yeah. I'm, I won't trash them. Sometimes they actually do some good stuff. Sometimes it's like what? But anyway, it, um, I mean, they they know what they're doing because they yeah, they yeah. purposely put out terrible content. I think like, they're they're the same as every sports radio show in every major city in America. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I equate it. Like, like people, I mean, and if case in point, Stephen A. Smith made himself cry in order to get content for ESPN today. Yeah. Just like, I understand Stephen A. Smith is a Knicks fan, but he shouldn't be crying that they missed out on free agencies, free some free agents this year. That's basketball, but still just letting you people know yeah. it's all for clicks. Yeah. Well, they said something that's like, imagine like if you have a televised match, Newcastle United, one of the biggest, the most beautiful stadiums in the world, biggest support groups, um, not, or internationally televised. It's going to be on TV here, on, on national TV in the U.S., and the stadium's empty. It's not, that's not something that's going to go away. That's going to be on and this is the point they made, that it's going to be on the front of every newspaper, it's going to be on the back of every newspaper, and every sports show in England is going to talk about it. Like, no, Mike Ashley would not be able to run away from that. Because the sit-in, like, nobody talked for, about that after the match over an hour. There, there's, there was nothing that, that we've done that's lasted as long as that would. That statement in front of a world audience, uh, that's something that I'm, I think would really, that would be so loud to ignore. Um, so, and I think the group is doing some good things. Like um, they want to set up some TV screens in parks and do like watch parties, which I think is a pretty cool idea. So people are doing it and still watching and singing and supporting and, and having that atmosphere, but they're not doing it in the stadium owned by the man that we all disagree with. Um, yeah. So if they can do those things and, and like it, the, the thing is everybody has to be, combined like everybody has to be on the same page here there's always going to be people that are going to refuse a boycott there's always yeah. going to be people that will but we just have to have make sure that everybody's on the same page and there's so much communication like over communicate and just like m make it seamless make it very easy to do um and we we talked about this on our interview that we're about to get to like uh you see a lot of following on twitter and actually elijah said this numerous times like seeing what support is on Twitter, it's, it's a farce a lot of the time because um, like you don't realize, you think something's so popular because people are retweeting it, but you're not really getting a full like idea of how much support it actually has. It's, it, there's a lot of falsities to Twitter and to popularity. So uh, there has to be communication everywhere in order for this to work. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was the only point I was going to make is that, I mean, I think this group this boycott could be successful because I mean, you know, the storms are brewing and I don't think there's really anything Mike Ashley could do. Even if you hired Jose Mourinho or Arsene Wenger, which won't happen. I still think Newcastle fans will be mad that Rafa wasn't given the keys to the kingdom. Um, so I, I think it's a proper time. And like literally Mike Ashley did the one thing that would have prevented the sit in. And of course us winning helped out. The one thing that prevented was like he broke the transfer record for Miguel Amaron, which, you know, that's like no one was expecting it and it got people excited. And of course, the city went happen and that affected the sit in. But uh, regardless, 
if if people don't know about the boycott, then it's still going to look bad. But I think you're at a point now where all they can do, like you said, is over-communicate. And if they're able to get out on a ground level and get out into the actual streets of Newcastle and communicate among season ticket holders so we get generations to say to sit down and, and, and at least are aware of the option to boycott, then I would call this a success. If if it's still kind of totally relying on Twitter, then it's never going to take it's never going to take off. But if you're able to get as many people the option to boycott, then it could be great. And like you said, there's people going to choose not to boycott, but there there are also going to be people who may not even who may not even know that boy that a proposed boycott could happen, and will be like, oh, you know, I'm fine. I can miss a game, and they're not on Twitter or they're not on Facebook. So um, those are the, those are the people that you're really trying to reach, and. I hope that it happens. Um, I'm with you. I think it would be a statement um, that would be super cool to see. And um, in addition to that, uh, Astriel movement has has resurged as well, and they're also calling for a boycott from St. James Park and all Mike Ashley-related everything until he sells the club. Um, So, I mean, way to stay relevant, uh, Ashley out. Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, on to that, we're gonna we're gonna move on to our first interview uh, with Alex Hurst and Graham Bell, and we're gonna do that right now. All right, so we're here now with Alex Hurst and friend of the pod and author Graham Bell. How you doing, guys? We good, good. How are you, Greg? Good, Alex. How you doing? Yeah, tremendous. Uh, delighted for the opportunity. Great to come on the show and speak to your listeners. Yeah, so let's let's uh, give everybody a, a recap here. So um, Alex Hurst, chair of NUFC Trust. You're the, you're also the host of Newcastle United Fan Sign and Podcast, True Faith, Newcastle United. Uh, so definitely check that out. It was actually the first podcast. I haven't told you this, Alex. First podcast I listened <laughs> to about Newcastle. Um, so I love like the raw fan reactions that you all have done and uh, so it was really exciting to finally hear, you know, being in the U.S., you don't really get that unless you go over to Newcastle. But your podcast was actually the first bit that I got to taste, like, actually week to week, like, feeling integrated with the club. So it's an awesome, awesome show that you, you've created there. Congrats. And, Thank you. Uh, so, so give, give Alex a follow at TFAlex1892, and you can follow... NUFC Trust at NUFC Trust. <laughs> it's NUFC Supporters Trust, and we'll talk into that. But before we get into that, Graham Bell, you have a book, man. I, I do. How did that happen? <laughs> How did someone like me do that? Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about that. Well, actually, follow Graham at Graham Bell underscore NUFC, and he's also a writer for Coming Home Newcastle. I'm sure if you have if you click on our website right now, it's mostly just him. <laughs> It's, so, it's mostly just me just ranting about everything yeah. about my Ashley. That's, that's all it is. Yeah. So tell us about this book. Um, yeah, so it's been a, it's been a bit of a, a while since I was last on. Um, yeah. So, I mean, not much has happened since then, has it? Um, <laughs> no, not, not with Newcastle. Not at all. <laughs> um, but no, the, the book, um, it's basically about it's, – it's loosely based on um, me – growing up supporting Newcastle um, so it's told through supporters eyes going like it's it's a timeline story of supporting Newcastle so I mean it's not a happy read um, <laughs> the, the, 
there are happy moments, but it's it's um, yeah, it's it's not the the most uplifting of books um, following Newcastle. But um, I thought I would uh, I would just write it and um, see how it goes. And um, yeah, it's been it's been a big big hit so far. Um, it'll be out on the twenty third of August. Um, so it'll be in all the uh, good bookshops and the bad ones too. <laughs> there we so, go. Um, so yeah, um, I thought you know it, that something like that hasn't really been done before, and doing it on on Newcastle, it's it's just easy for me because you know I'm there, so <laughs> I'm there yeah. every week. Yeah. It's uh, and I've got happy and sad memories of it, so. And we'll yeah. have to we'll have to provide updates to Graham once you get more information about purchasing it from like for me purchasing it in the U.S. Like we'll, we'll, we want to yeah. get that out to all of our listeners and readers. Yeah, um, it's definitely definitely a must buy. Got to help Graham out here, um, and you'll enjoy yeah. it too in, a, in some sick way. We'll all enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I did I did paint a bit of an unhappy um, picture of it, but. It, you know, it is entertaining. There's like, there's characters in there and, you know, Alex will know as well. Um, the long away trips, like down to Portsmouth, that was always a, a long one. Um, you know, just going in the car and putting the, the ridiculous like mixtape on of, of really bad match day tunes and just going down the motorway and and you know, stopping at some really dodgy places for some food, and you know, just it's it's just the proper. It sort of tells the proper away day experience as well. I know Alex has experienced a lot of them, so <laughs> yeah, you'd <laughs> be able to sort of connect with that. So, um, yeah, you know, if you've got if you've got a spare moment, then uh, go ahead and buy it and and cry and laugh at the same time. There we go. Love it. Love it. Well, we'll definitely stay tuned for that. We'll provide more updates as the release date gets closer. Uh, now let's move to Alex. You have certainly been um, po- a popular man on Tyneside. <laughs> Can you believe it? Um, so let's let's walk through. If you give me like at least a little inter- introduction about yourself, like how you started at True Faith and then building this dream out that you've created now where now you're running the Newcastle supporters trust and it's, it's booming. I mean, it's, you've doubled the membership. You have like the, the big names are endorsing you now. Um, there's a lot of articles being written about the supporters trust. So just give me i I'm, I'm just going to sit back and listen here. Uh, just give me an all encompassing uh, like life story, if you will. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Uh, Greg, thanks so much. And yeah, just Graham, um, can't wait to read your book. I- I don't think we, uh, as a support, probably have enough kind of fan literature out there. So great to hear that you're, you're putting something out there for fans to read. Um, and I look forward to reading it. Um, yeah, Greg, I, you know, really brief, briefly about me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm no one special. Uh, I, I was a, you know, true face being good since 1999 as a fanzine and then as a website. And um, I was just a reader. And then, you know, true faith, Michael, before me, the editor, was always looking for new fan contributions uh, and I used to enjoy writing for the, the fans you know and it got to the stage a few years ago where Michael decided to step back and then very surprisingly to me asked me to take it on which I was delighted to do and I started the podcast in about 2014 there was already a true faith podcast out at the time which was excellent um, from Taylor and Bester, but they tended to do theirs kind of every you know four to six weeks and I felt there was a gap out at the moment for a, a Newcastle United fans podcast where 
like you know, like you were talking about, Graham, me and my friends were kind of went to every single game home and away. And we yeah. thought maybe there was a, a gap in the market to reflect those experiences from people who were who were at the games. Not that being at the game make, makes your opinion any more valid, but you know, like you mentioned, Greg, kind of you know the emotion and, and what it was like in the away, and that's that's how we started. And we're really lucky now that we have we have a lot of listeners every week, and we have a we have a patron as well, where you know we produce anything from four to eight extra podcasts on Newcastle each week, and, and we're lucky that people are willing to to pay us to, you know to talk about it and. That's true faith. So we relaunched the fanzine this year because we took the fanzine online or Michael did 2013, 14 because printing costs had risen so much. But the things that go up also come down and we're fortunate that we've got a printer now that helps us print the fanzines at an affordable cost. And it gives us a real buzz having something like probably the same as you, Graham, there's something kind of concrete there to get out the fans. And we have writers from all over the world. We have writers from all over the world on the website. And it's there isn't really much of an editorial line anymore. I think that's one of the things that I'm quite keen on. I don't say much as the editor of True Faith and the leader of True Faith. Obviously, I have my own personal opinions. But I'd much rather it just be a kind of an open platform for supporters to give their voices. So, for example, this week on the website, we've got some articles saying you have to boycott the Arsenal game when you're not a proper fan. Um, and we're going to have some articles on there saying, you know, uh, undecided or I don't believe in boycotting. And we'll just kind of leave that up to the, the readership about what, what's right right, and what's wrong. I'm not really keen on a massive editorial line apart from obviously that. Rafa Benitez is a great manager and <laughs> yeah. that he's left the club. So so that's True Faith. Um, you know, we're just about to send uh, a couple of the guys from True Faith across to South America to try and hunt down former players for a documentary and, and podcasts. Um, we've got a book in the pipeline on that. So that's that's all just purely come from fan-funded stuff. So that, to move it on to the trust, kind of what we've done so far through Faith um, has kind of shown me what a small number of people and fans can can do. Can You know, the fact we're going to have people in South America. We've also got people going across to China for the pre-season tournaments, but unfortunately it's going to be in quite negative circumstances now. But all of that was funded by, by football fans. Yeah, yeah, just a bit. Neil, Neil Redfern's mags. Uh, getting beat by Wolves in Man City. I don't know, I don't know how entertaining a watch that will be. But um, yeah, so uh, just, just to digress quickly, then I mean, I was uh, I was in a workplace in the US in 2016 through the American government, um, uh, Barack Obama scheme, and um, I was working in Chicago, great city. I love I love the US. I loved all of it. I was in Chicago, San Fran, and Washington DC, all very different places, and. Um, Basically, I was sat in a, in a room at my employer's pretty bored. I'd done all my work for the day and there was something on the True Faith site at the time about potentially organising something to make Rafa feel welcome um, for staying. And I, I don't know where it came from, but I started this thing called Gallagher Flags, which has you know, turned into what, to what is now War Flags. So I was involved for the first two and you know, one and a bit seasons. Uh, and again, that started from an idea in my head in a room in Chicago. <laughs> and then by the by the first game of the season against Huddersfield, we had over five hundred flags uh, there for you know you know and everything we did from there was fan funded. So starting and running Gallagher flags with the help of a lot of other people kind of showed me again what fans can achieve. And if you look at what War Flags have done since I stepped back, um, you continued that fantastic work built and it improved on it. Again, it's all supporter funded. That although the football club have been supportive really supportive you know when, when I was at Gallagher Flags and I think it's the same Wolf Flags we never took a penny from the club even though it was offered because we wanted to be authentic and fan funded so that you know they're my two really big kind of passions of Newcastle United from a personal perspective 
um, and to bring on the Newcastle United Supporters Trust, I got asked to be on the board probably 2017, back in 2017. Uh, I got asked to join the board and, and, and to be blunt, despite the, the good attentions of the people on the board at the time, uh, the Supporters Trust was going backwards. It was doing a lot of really important stuff. So, for example, the NUFC Fans Food Bank was a Supporters Trust-led idea. Uh, other people are instrumental that as well, away from the Supporters Trust, but, but Colin Whittle from the Supporters Trust was a driving force and still is behind that. So it wasn't like they were doing nothing, but membership would dwindle to less than 500. Um, they were falling behind. They didn't have a, a proper website and they didn't have a, you know, the appropriate uh, skills or vision, I think, to take it forwards. And that's not me being critical because those people have, have achieved a lot of things that I simply couldn't and probably in more important areas of life compared to football. So it wasn't a case of these guys were bad or anything like that. But I think the Supporters Trust, when it was formed in 2008, um, as the Newcastle United Supporters Club after the sacking of Kevin Keegan, it picked up a lot of momentum very quickly. But then I have to say, and I, I'm not a, an expert on this from um, you know a history point of view, the kind of internal factions at Newcastle United in terms of the fan base, for one reason or another, drove the Supporters Trust apart. People left. People left on bad terms. I wasn't, you know, I was in my early 20s at this point. I wasn't around for any of it. I was at university. I've no, no say in what, what happened in the, in the past in ancient history. So the Supporters Trust has existed for a while and done some really good things. Um, just put a WhatsApp there in the group saying we've passed 6,000 members, so that's good. <laughs> Live information breaking on the podcast here. <laughs> um, so I was in this and I, I kind of took a look at it and, and asked some people that I know from True Faith to come on board and, and think, what, what are we doing here? And it kind of got to the stage where the AGM at the end of January, I, I put to the, the existing boards, um, thanks, appreciate your efforts. You've done fantastic, but can, can we try and relaunch this thing? And can I put a brand new board in place? Um, and to be fair to those guys, they offered, they still offer their services and they're still really helpful, but they let me bring in a, a brand new board from the end of January. In fact, it was, it was the day before we beat Man City. So that was the 30th of January. Um, uh, so that was a good couple of days. Yeah. And yeah, and, and then which I just started from there, I made some phone calls, I scoured through social media, I looked at influential people and I thought who 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 can help us get the supporters trust to where it needs to be, in my opinion. Um and I've identified a number of people. You can, you know, find find out now on the on the website who they are. But people that this were well known to the support, like Steve Wraith, and people that weren't well known to the support or even me. Um, and we we retained uh, one of the members of the old board, um, Norman Watson, who was a, an expert in company buyouts and knows the trust rules inside out. So he's been invaluable. And yeah, we've, we've put together a 13-person board, a 12 or 13-person board. The maths isn't great. And we've we've uh, we've we've worked hard uh, to to pretty much put ourselves in a position, knowing I, I don't know about you lads, but I've I've known that Rafa was going to leave the club for a while. Not with any kind of insider information or anything like that, but I've I sat in a room last September on behalf of the sort of supporters trust in the fans forum with Lee Charney and other club representatives, and it, I could just tell them that they weren't that fussed about him. I, I could tell them they thought he got a lot yeah. of credit for their work and work of other people, and you know Lee Charney would only call him the manager, um, which you know maybe etiquette of these things I don't know, but it seemed very cold. It seemed very detached, and I just I've just thought that. The fact that we got to the end of the season without being sorted, despite safety being assured in pretty much since we'd be Everton in March, or got the point away at Bournemouth the following week, uh, I just thought this was happening. So we had a lot of work to do at the Trust. Uh, we 
we didn't have a website that was fit for purpose. So we had to, we looked into the cost of building a, a kind of functional website that thousands of people could log in and out to and also be an e-commerce site. Uh, that was going to cost thousands of pounds. So I had to use social media to basically beg the support for anyone who had those skills who could give us them for free. And we're, we're so, so grateful. And, and I have to ask these people whether they want put the public praise or not. So I'm not saying their names now. But we've been working for the past four months with a, a web design company in London who, who are run by any castle fan who give us their services absolutely free of charge. Wow. So that, that, that's what we're trying to tap into here. We, we as a support around the world, we're a talented group of people. We, we, ha- we have the skills, we have the passion to be able to make things work as a football club. And it's such a shame that, in my opinion, the football club don't value that and don't tap into that. I think, in fact, if you look at the club's website, it's got international fan groups. And that was ever since that page was created in 2017. It's just it's just had coming soon. I think that's so sad when you look at you know the, the websites of Arsenal and Tottenham. I think spring to mind. They they really they really take on board and interact with their international fans groups around the world. Um, and 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 Newcastle United don't do that currently, or certainly not to my knowledge. Maybe maybe someone will be able to. Correct no, me. And, and unfortunately, I think that's that's the same with with most things at Newcastle. We're sort of behind everyone in, in pretty much everything. So you, you, you explain about the website and things like that, but it, it, that's just the start of it. And, and that's, that's how Ashley's run the club. Um, it's gone backwards. Um, yeah. You know, the training facilities for a start and the academy, all, all the things that Rafa wanted to build on and improve. Um, you know, to make us more of a, an attractive club for players and, and make better players, you know, coming through the academy, it's it's just not there. Um, so it, it, it is sad and, and you know, it, the, the website is just the start of it. It's, um, I, that's where I think we're, we're falling behind it. We've fallen behind so much since Ashley's taken charge. It's, it's frightening really. Well, yeah, I can, I can yeah. tell you, I can't say names, um, but there is a, I mean, I think our listeners and people that know there's a certain player that's been on our show numerous times, um, but, and he actually uh, has been on this, he's going to be on this episode, uh, interviewed him earlier in the week and just having th- some conversations about the way things have been since the since Ashley's taken over, like when the U- when they did the U.S. tour, they would tell players that currently live here, like, "Don't worry about coming. It's don't be bothered. Like, we don't need we don't need you to show up. Don't worry about it." And it's like that <laughs> attitude. Like, what's the point? Like, you have supporters groups in every major city in the United States, and even in small towns. Like, I, I mean, we've interviewed fans from Nowhereville, USA, that are massive Newcastle United supporters, and. Um, I, I, I can speak from experience on my end that there's, I've had numerous, I've reached out numerous times about having some sort of connection and I've even got responses, but there's zero intention to actually do something about it, which is disheartening because as you, as you described, Alex, there's so much that can be done just by fan support uh, and nothing else. And it's, it's pretty shocking that they would just neglect it. The club would willingly do it. So from, so what's your, what's your first, now that you're you're starting, everything's built up. You're you're gaining like um, you're gaining a support system. What's the first three things that NUFC supporters trust wants to accomplish? I suppose I think just going back to what I was saying, 
so we, we've we've got the new website coming on so that you know in the meantime we got to construct temporary one just to get us through that period uh we had i had to sort out a new bank account now, now sorting out a new bank account might sound dead easy but when you, when you're a like a society or a trust regulated by the FCA, which is the Financial Conduct Authority in the UK, like they, this is going to come on to what I don't know if you're going to ask me this about money and, and some of the questions we get about how is the money secure. Like the the, the process of just getting an account to put money in has been intense. You know, we've had background checks. The banks, Barclays Bank, have been like meticulous about us and. It's been meetings at the bank, having to take time off work. It's, it's been, to get us to this point in terms of speaking here today, it's been a tremendous amount of work. And even putting into place, um, you know, the plans in terms of the first three things we want to do, um, it's, it's been months of planning. So I, I only say that because I think some of the, the preconception are quite right that all of a sudden now Rafa's left, everyone's talking about sport as trust. It's not happened by accident. We've kind of been planning this for months. We've been trying to get into place. Once again, the club let us down by announcing it a week early. Because if we, if it had been announced tomorrow, uh, which Monday, then you know when the, the day Rafa's contract finally expires, we'd have been a lot further forward to this place. But we're not complaining because it's been a great week. But that that's kind of caught us off guard a bit. I remember I was recording some stuff for True Faith last Monday lunchtime, and all of a sudden that push notification from Twitter comes to Newcastle United. You know, with regret, I've decided to look for a new manager. You're like, this can't be real. That's got to be a fake site. Like someone's winding me up in there. Unfortunately, it was real. So it's been a crazy week, and I think the first three things—it's a good question. The first three things that we want to do. Well, well, well number one was we want to get to ten thousand members, and that you know, considering that we had less than five hundred members in January, um, to get to ten thousand by the by the start of the nineteen twenty season was a pretty ambitious goal. But I like ambitious goals. I've been ambitious through faith. I was ambitious with delegate flags because even if you quite you know you fail to hit the lofty ambitions like you say to yourself well if you, if you get close then you've not done too bad so we're well on the way to 10,000 members um one of the one of the key things we're trying to push to members is tell a mate tell a family member tell someone who you know connected from Cass United we've made it uh one pound to, you know before I took over the price was 10 pounds for a year and 100 pounds for a lifetime um I made it 10 pounds because I thought that you know, we didn't want to have a supporters movement that was inaccessible to some people because they might, you know, £100, £10 a lot of money to some people and they might think, well, I'd like to join, but the, the price puts me off. And hopefully, hopefully £1 or, or $1, whatever it translates to, um, isn't too much for people to take a chance on us, isn't too much for people to think, you know what, this is this seems pretty really positive. I don't want to hand over, you know, £100 for lifetime membership, but I can hand, hand over $10 or £10. Uh, so, so number one, hit 10,000 members because it, when we get close to 10,000 members we become close to I don't have the exact figures so I don't want to make any grand claims but we want to become close to being the UK's biggest um, paying member supporters trust which I think is either Swansea or Spurs at the minute um, and, and I think if, if, if Newcastle United fans can make that statement that in a very short space of time we've become the, the UK's biggest supporter trust biggest legitimate supporters movement then the sky is the limit. So that's number one, get to 10,000 members. And like I said before, we just hit 6,000. Like this time last week, we had 1,000. We, we were really pleased just through natural growth from when we took over to before last week to, to have doubled it to 1,000, just with kind of careful messaging. Obviously, I pushed it a lot through True Faith and we got a lot of members um, from that and that was great to, great to see. But to, to get the kind of huge take-up that we've had, because an extra 5,000 people, it's a lot of people, it's, it's, it's really positive, but we want to get to 10,000. So that's that's, 
key aim number one for the coming coming few weeks. Uh, key aim number two, we're very close to achieving, and I, and I can't give names at the minute, but we are, we are very close to having significant people back us um, at the Supporters Trust. And I mean, like, you can't get much more significant, but I'm not, I'm not <laughs> going to say right now because it would be unfair on the people we're having discussions with who kept asked us to, to keep it quiet for obvious reasons. You have to draw your own conclusions. Um, and, and if these people back us, it, it'll just give us... And we've had some great legitimacy from from people who might could be coming on your show or, or other former ex-players. We've had fantastic support from them. And it's it might not sound like a lot, a lot but for us to convince these people to back us, like, without, without trying to sound overconfident, we have to be able to provide some answers to some pretty big questions. So I think I'm satisfied and I'm pleased that we're able to answer these questions. Um, and... The fact that these people, because you know, there are a lot of things in the world of football which you know are here today and gone tomorrow, um, and there are a lot of things which aren't properly organised. And while I have a lot of respect for people organising things, if you look at the failed fan movements at Newcastle United over the past ten years, you know, it, I don't think they've been able to gather the kind of support that we've got from these these former players and key people. Um, so number two is is some really big names back us, and I think that'll definitely get us over ten thousand when this this person or these people back us. Um, and no, number three, I suppose, is a little bit of a it's a it's a it's a generic answer, um, but our aim as the Newcastle United Supporters Trust and indeed every supporters trust in the country is to one day own fifty one percent of Newcastle United. Um, is that realistic anytime soon? No, it's not. But if supporters had taken that approach. 10 years ago, after Mike Ashley sacked Kevin Keegan, or forced him to resign or whatever, um, we might be in a position to do that. Uh, so, whilst I can't give too much information at the minute, because we're still working very hard behind the scenes on on that, because it's the kind of thing that when you start raising money for something like that, you, you've got to get it right the first time. You can't you can't try, fail, and try again. Um, and, and obviously, if you, you're talking about the money that we're talking about, potentially raising hundreds of thousands or millions of pounds, um, you have to be legally in the right place you have to have the right advice um tax wise and, and accountancy wise so that ultimately is the long-term aim and, and will it happen in six months time or six years time maybe not uh, it might but uh, but maybe not but why not as a support why don't we plan long term let's 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 do what the club don't do let's look to the long-term future and success of newcastle united a supporter owned and led newcastle united um you know if there was a new owner to come into the club whilst we're fundraising everyone would be delighted but wh- why can't we buy into a consortium? Why, why does it have to be a man of slavery of Peter Kenyon or, or people who don't have the money? Why can't it be the supporters that are, are, are trying to generate these funds or something like that? So I've, I've, I've rambled on a bit, but they're, they're kind of the three broad aims that we've got straight away. We've got lots of smaller ones like communication. And I know you want to you want to ask me about international fans. So we, we've got some goals for that as well. But I think I'll wait until you've asked me those questions. But the, the board is working very hard. We all have full-time jobs. We all have lives away from this. You know, I have a life away from this and a full-time media organisation to run. So we're all committed in the same way that everybody else is committed to, to like, you know, ensuring that Newcastle United has a successful future. Doesn't mean we can affect things right away. And, you know, whenever you launch something, it was the same when I started Gallagher Flags, I got people on social media telling me that I was a crook. I was out to steal money. And and some of my friends got a bit upset about it. They were kind of like, well, why why do you why do why do you not put these people right? Well, the only way to put it right and to shove it down their throat is 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 what were the displays that were put on on the Gallagher. 
um, and the displays war flags put on on the Gallagher. That's that's the only way you can disprove doubt is is by actually delivering on what you're going to say. And I'm really confident we're going to do the same now with the supporters' trust, with the the continued support of the Newcastle United fans around the world. Yeah, no, that's great. Thank you for going into detail and explaining that. Um, it, it's a, it's also like somewhat of an encouraging time because like there's so much depression happening right now. So to <laughs> see that something is in action, uh, that's like we we take all the hope that we can get right now. And I know Graham, from your perspective. Well, in everyone's perspective, um, like obviously today, today is Rafa day, right? Um, and now you, you're sitting there on the other lines from the coming home Newcastle side, Graham. Like what, what do you see as like, uh, this is, I guess, not the insider, Alec, or not the founder's thoughts, but what do you see on your side, Graham, from the NUFC supporters trust, um, Arsenal boycotts, Gallagate flags, war flags. Uh, what what are you seeing f- from your end, and, and as far as like, where where does the future lie for us supporters? <laughs> That's a it's a loaded a question. question. I know. I, know, but, um, uh, I think well, the problem has always been with us. There's always been a a division in the fan base, always, and I've I've never quite understood it. Um, people have opinions on what to do and then other fans will jump on their back saying, no, that's not the right thing to do. You can't boycott, support the team, not the regime, all that. We've been through it all. And for me, it's just wasting time because we're just constantly butting heads with each other instead of coming up with a plan, an idea that everyone will get behind and something that will work. The good thing about the supporters' trust with Alex on board, um, he's he's had success, you know, at Gallagher Flags, at True Faith. He knows what he's doing. Um, and he's he's got the know-how to, to bring the trust forward and, and set a plan in place to bring everyone together. And that's what's needed here. Um, because, like I say, there's been too many divisions for far too long. Um, the the boycott, um, my personal opinion, I think we should do it. Um, whether that's for one game, whether it's for a season or a couple of games, whatever. Um, especially the Arsenal game, I think um, we should boycott it. But whether that makes me wrong or not a proper fan, like people say, for, for boycotting... That's their opinion. That's fine. Um, they're entitled to it. But the only, for me, the only way Ashley's going to leave is from fan power and from people taking a stand and voting with their feet and getting out of St James's Park. Um, with the Arsenal game being tele- televised, I think it's a perfect game, a perfect opportunity, um, first game of the season, to sort of make that statement. Um, I know um, I spoke to a few of the, the boycott Arsenal lads um, and they, they've they got a direction that they want to go down. They've got a few ideas which are, which are really good. Um, so I think that there was an idea of setting up a, a, a fan park, like a fan zone. Um, that's, that's obviously um, early days in setting that up, but you know, it's, for fans that don't want to actually miss the game, they can go there and, 
and still watch it and still be in an atmosphere where you you kind of feel like you're at the game, I suppose. And I, and it's a it's a day out with the lads and lasses still. So for me, I just want to get to a place where fan. This is a pipe dream for me because I I know for a fact it will not happen. But I want to get to a place where there's there's no infighting amongst fans because. I know we've all got the same, the same love and passion for the club, and and that's that's what it needs to be focused on. We need to focus that anger and hate that seems to be flying around each other, and and aim it at the one man that's destroyed the club, instead of, you know, fighting amongst ourselves, which is just daft, and it uh, it um, it really annoys me. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about the mini rant, but um, I think that that's. That's what's needed, and, and for Alex to be chair of, of um, the supporters trust, um, I think there's there's no better man for it. Um, you know, you you heard him talk earlier. He's he's uh, he's, he's certainly got the brains for it. So um, I, I honestly can't wait um, to see how it moves forward. And um, I'll, I've I've uh, signed up for the life, lifetime membership. Um, and for Alex to bring down the prices is is you know genius idea because like he said you know ten pounds can be a lot of a lot of money for for one person or a hundred pounds whatever it may be um you know it can be a lot of money so to make that accessible for everyone it's it's the right way to go about things yeah no definitely agree definitely agree um okay so so the last thing here. I is, and I, I mentioned to, to this to you two lads before we started recording is that in the U.S. it's hard for us to be able to reach out and make a difference, even though we want to. The desires there. I've seen some people, and these are just some random posts that people do yearly trips to Newcastle, and they're stopping doing that now. I mean, it's can imagine. I mean, you can imagine the cost because I know Alex, you've been to the U.S. and um, the cost getting to. Newcastle every year from wherever you live in the U.S. isn't cheap, so that's a sacrifice that they've been willing to make every single year. And now they're they've officially. I know multiple people that have stopped doing it. They're done. This was the last straw for them. So that I know there's some people that have been able to make that stand, but there's a lot of people here, who, some that haven't even been to Newcastle before, but have watched every match for years, and they want to they want to make a difference. So. Alex, first question is one: How do how how do you sign up? And two: What can being an international supporter of Newcastle how how can us working with the supporters trust help? Yeah, um, great great questions. And you can sign up. There's only one way to sign up, and that is head to nufctrust.co.uk and signing up through there. It's a secure site. It's a secure payment gateway with um, PayPal, or if you don't have a PayPal account or newspaper you can just input your, your credit card details and you will become a member of the supporters trust it is one pound for a year it is five pounds for 10 years and it is 10 pounds for life what what we really need as a supporters trust is we need people that want a voice so the the great thing about the supporters trust is my vote matters no more than anybody else's vote when it comes to voting on things it is strictly one person, one vote. If someone wanted to give us a million pounds, which would be great, but if there's anyone listening, but if someone <laughs> did, um, 
they still only get one vote in matters. There, there can be no one with a block of votes. We don't allow affiliates to join. We don't allow organisations to join. It is one person, one vote. So it doesn't matter whether you live on the steps of St James's Park or you live in, um, you know, the southern tip of Argentina. <laughs> like you, you, your voice in the Supporters Trust is the same. Um, Shout so out to Army Argentina. Really important. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. What, wherever you are, your voice matters in the trust. And this is, this is the thing I try and get across to people online who are skeptical. If you don't like people on the board, because there are some people on the board who are, who are great, but so, you know, for example, Steve Wraith, you won't mind me name checking him. So, you know, he's hugely respected by a lot of the fan base. Some people don't like him. Um, some people don't like. Not everyone people, be loved, right? Don't like <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then, then that, that in itself is a reason to join because voters out. You know, if you don't like what the board are doing, it's your board. It's not, it, the supporters trust isn't for me or the people on the board. It's for the members. And once you remember, you have a say. Once you remember, we, we are going to put things, boycott Arsenal is a good example. The supporters trust doesn't exist to, to, to promote protests and that. That, again, in terms of emails, I've had people kind of not very happy saying you should be leading this. No, the, support, the supporters trust exists for two reasons. Well, two main reasons. One, to one day own 51% of the football club. And two, to work with the football club. And yes, we do work with the football club. We, I have to say, since I became the chairman, the football club have been constructive with us and have, have wanted to have a relationship. Now, do we get to decide who the next manager is? No. Do they, do they speak to us or take advice from us? No. Do they take advice from us on stuff like ticketing and disabled access and access and match days and uh, how to buy tickets on the website and loyalty points and um, you know facilities for women. They, they do listen to us on that. And while it's not the sexiest thing to talk about, it's nice to be able to make that small difference. That isn't me condoning the way Newcastle United is run, but I'd much rather have a voice inside the tent than outside that gets listened to on, on these issues. So if you have a, an opinion on something, we, we put it to the membership. When the new website is ready, we put things, you vote on them. So, for example, um, if you're based in the US and you want to have a voice in a genuine fan organization, I don't know of any other way to do it than through the Newcastle United Supporters Trust. And that might be my naivety or ignorance, but I think yeah. the Supporters Trust is a good way to go. So that's the main one. Come and have a voice. Come and have a say in how we run things. Boycott Arsenal. I'm asked, being asked a lot, do you back it personally? Do you um, just the trust back it? It's not for me on this show to say whether well, I back it personally or not. But from a trust point of view, us as the board, our opinions are irrelevant, totally irrelevant. What we will do closer to the time is put it to the membership. And this isn't us, you know, because I, every, the view of every member is important, but what we will be able to do and communicate to the rest of the support and the club is say, X number of our members, majority or minority, support this, and we can get that word out there. So there's no way if someone was to say, does the trust support the boycott? Well, there's no way for me to find out unless we ask. Hopefully, every single member and every single member gives us a vote. And then... And Whilst it's difficult on social media, I think sometimes to gauge the popularity of things. You know, I walked in late to St. James's Park last season. I thought thousands were going to do it, and it just didn't happen, which was really disappointing. Like, you know, I, I thought a lot of people would make that statement, but it didn't happen for whatever reason. Social media can be misleading, whereas yeah. this is a legitimate voting system between members. So come and have a voice. Number two, what we're really keen to do is, is to come back to what we were talking about earlier, Greg, was. What we now have a database of members and we can see how many members we've got around the world. In my ideal world as chair, and it might not always be up to me, I might lose the next election or something like that or whatever, 
my ideal world, we would like to create a lot of subcommittees and boards, and that that you know one will be around um, women, w- women's football, and women that's in James Park. How will we get more women attending Newcastle United? We might want to have a junior trust subcommittee where we'll, we'll look at the concerns of, of young fans, particularly revolve around the cost of replica kits or the cost of days to get in and play in the pitch in St. James's Park, all that kind of stuff. One of the subcommittees we'd really like to have is a subcommittee representing people in each country around the world. Now, in my idealistic head, we'll have one for every country around the world. Is it, is it realistic? Probably not at the moment, but why not down the line? But where we definitely yeah. would have enough people interested in a subcommittee is North America, in my opinion. And, you know, again, it would be the same thing the same thing where people could put themselves forward to elected, be elected, could run election campaigns. And, and, and you know, and, and I'm not saying it's going to be a, as big as the presidential race, but it can still be people <laughs> put forward their, their, their views and what they would like to achieve for supporters in the US. And it might be something like off the top of my head, you know, us, if we have a united voice, we might be able to speak to airlines. We might be able, be able to say, okay, what are the chances of putting on a charter flight? every year or every other year to, to a direct flight to Newcastle because I don't think at the minute you can fly direct to Newcastle from the United States and that extra I mean I, I met fans last season um, you know listeners of True Faith who, who has to go for a pint um, tremendous people who came all the way from the USA to, to watch a game of football I mean that's staggering levels of, of dedication and, and the cost alone I mean <laughs> and if you look at the cost of what I spend which is a lot to me of following the football club over the way that cost is matched in one of those trips pretty much by a travelling fan uh, from the USA. So, you know, I, I don't want to speculate too much on what the goals would be of, of, of that subcommittee, but, but we are looking for people um, around the world, once we get our feet under the table, once we get to 10,000 members, we can say, right, okay, North America committee, what can we do? And you have, remember, you have a direct line of communication to the football club. I'm not going to technicalities now, but the Premier League insists that the football club talk to us. They can't, they can't shut us out. They have to speak to us a minimum of twice a year, they have to meet us. We're fortunate at the minute that there seems to be a, a desire on both sides to speak to us more. But again, this isn't going to be on you know, Mike Ashley or stuff like that, but it's going to be on things that, that matter. So for example, I can imagine speaking to supporters who travel a long way, and it's the same for us over here, short notice television changes. If, you, if you've arranged a, a trip to get the cheapest possible flights from the US to the UK, and you, you're taking a whole weekend or you, you plan a whole trip to the UK around it, or Europe, and then all of a sudden the game gets moved to a Monday night, you know, that's not good enough. But but is there anyone at the minute who's telling the club directly, not just through social media, that that's not good enough? So we think that international fans will play a really, really important part of this. And what, what we find at the minute is we have a lot of silence in Newcastle as well, but also the extended Newcastle United fan community, which is so far that we're getting silence from all over the world. And I mean all over. So... We will put out data um, soon about membership and where memberships come from, but nothing would make me happier than seeing that, that column from the United States and Canada to be as high as possible because if it is, then we can then crack on for having not just the football club try and have some influence, but supporters trust itself be influenced by people from these regions and let us tackle the, the, the matters that are important to you. Yes, that would be ideal. <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, yeah. So as Alex mentioned, go to nufctrust.co.uk to sign up. Um, this is, this is an opportunity for anybody that's been wanting to do something. This is a chance to do that. And I, I don't know if I know Graham, you, you have some insight, Alex, I'm not sure if you're familiar. There's a, there's a group here, Toon Army America that we're pretty involved with. We had a, we, we do a meetup every year. Uh, this past year was in Denver. 
we went, we did a live podcast with Warren Barton. Warren flew to Denver to meet with the fans and just to, to, you saw everything how it could be and how it should be. And w- this platform helps us, this group, our Toon Army America. We had people from Canada come down. Somebody from Hawaii flew to Denver for it. Um, <laughs> so it, it's just amazing what could be done if, if there's something to do. And there's for a long time just hasn't been something to do. Um, but now, for those asking, now it could be that time. So sign up. Sign up. Any, uh, any last words, Graham? Well, that, that's, that's one of the, the main reasons why I like the trust, because it's, it's starting to be one sort of like united voice. And, and that's, that's what's needed. Um, like I said before, there's, there's far too much infighting and, and clashes of personalities, opinions. So it's nice to kind of lead with, with one united front. Yeah, always is. And and Alex, uh, any last words for you? Yeah. So first, thanks to to you, Greg and Graham, for giving me this this platform and opportunity uh, for the trust. Anyone who has any questions at all, uh, please head to my Twitter profile at tfalex uh, alex eighteen ninety two, and my trust email address is on. I may as well say it. It's, it's Alex Hurst with a U at NUFC trust, trust.co.uk. If you've got any doubts, if you've got any questions, I'd love to hear from you. I'm working hard to get through the, the mountain of queries that we've got, but it's, it's great that, that, that people are interested and want to ask questions. Stuff like you know financial concerns, where the money goes and is it safe? I can answer all of that question. And yeah, it, it, the, the trust exists for you. It is your thing. They are supporters trust in general were created and are legislated at the highest possible level for too long for whatever I haven't used the supporters trust and I include myself in that to, to give supporters a voice so it, it exists for you you can model it in to beat no yeah absolutely and uh, please reach out to that like he said he has a mountain of queries but if you have any questions please reach out go read the article on our website coming home newcastle.com um and then if uh we're, we're this podcast uh we, we're gonna have elijah and i are gonna get on right now we're gonna talk about i know uh we on reddit a lot of people replied their favorite rafa benitez moments so we're about to go over that uh what i guess we'll we'll end on that guys what's your favorite rafa benitez moment with newcastle united Ugh. we'll start with graham <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I would just say coming here, <laughs> just, just arriving. <laughs> yeah, I mean the man's a god. I, yeah. Um, no, I would say, um, I would say actually winning the winning the championship that that final day was amazing, and to see to see him lift the trophy and the look on his face that for me is just that it's. It it was top of the list for me just to see how proud he was and it yeah I I will forever love him honestly love it love it and Alex do you have one I've got two if you allow me yeah of course I really of appreciate course. It. I'm, I'm pushing <laughs> you for time I, I give you one footballer one no no one football one okay the football one was winning at bright winning at Brighting in the in the championship I was there on a Tuesday night three thousand of us on a Tuesday night having to travel seven hundred miles. Um, and this was Brighton. This was Brighton. Everyone loved Brighton. The Brighton were great, even though they spent more money than us. You know, it was pluck, plucky Brighton, and 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 we had to win that game. And, and it was just so unlike Newcastle United. 
to win the biggest game of that season. It was like nothing I've seen since the days of Bobby Robson. And it was such a good performance. And Diarmé's goal was hilarious. What, a, what an amazing better by him. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was just, it was just a, a brilliant night to be a Newcastle fan. And it was one of those nights where it was like, actually, supporting this club's all right sometimes. It doesn't feel like that now, but that was just <laughs> to win that game away from home was just massive. It was just, it was just so unlike us. And off the pitch, really quickly, the, we at True Faith were held a, a press forum. We've done a few now to raise money for the food bank. And uh, Rafa Benitez found out about it. He found out we were raising money for the food bank and he basically donated to without asking. No one, no one reached out to him. But without asking, he, he, he donated a huge amount of his time personally for the raffle for people to get shown around the training ground by him to come in with their family and meet him. And it raised over, you know, we ended up raising £10,000 in the end for such a good cause. And like, he didn't have to do that. If, if Rafa Benitez didn't do that, no one would have thought any less of him. But he still did it. And I just think that's the that's testament to the kind of guy that he is. Wow. Um, yeah. And, you know, he'd be, a, he'd be a massive miss, not just as a football manager, but as a man. Yeah, no. Any anybody's lucky to have them. Uh, we we wish we were the ones. Uh, but thank you guys so much, Alex Graham. Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. And we're gonna take a little break. And Elijah will be joining me on the other side. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Cheers. All right. So thank you for to Alex and Graham for for a lovely interview lots of information going on there i hope you guys do sign up and especially with the the prices uh if it's something that you can do it would definitely be worth it uh and we're going to transition right away right into um i sit down with warren barton so enjoy that all right everyone thank you uh for listening to that message now we have our the most important message to listen to um we have friend of the pod and Time legend, Warren Barton. Uh, how you doing, Warren? Yeah, I'm good, my friend. Yeah, yeah. All, all good. You know, obviously <laughs> frustrated. I think like every single one of us, but uh, we keep hanging on in there and believing. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's dive right in, uh, and I'm just gonna sit back and <laughs> let you take the floor here. So uh, tell me a little about your reaction, or let's let's start with your initial reaction when you saw the club statement that Rafa Benitez will be leaving Newcastle at the end of his contract this coming Sunday. My first reaction, I think like most people, was was hugely disappointed. Um, was I surprised deep down? Probably not, uh, regarding what's gone on in the last probably three weeks regarding the takeover and then having virtually silence for 14 days from, from both parties, but obviously particularly the club and you know people are getting ready to buy their season tickets and players are looking to let their contracts expire and maybe want to come in there and then you let someone like Rafa Benitez just walk out I mean they believe they've given him a, a good deal um, but what he's been able to do in the last couple of years and yes he's had money he's had money to spend and he, you know not to the, the level that he would have wanted and all the fans would have wanted but he has had some money and bought some good players in and um, but we've, we've managed to hold on to mid-table which is at the moment is quite satisfying which is disappointing to say the least because we want to be challenging at least for European spots or many many years ago it used to be for Champions League spots and actually the title but that, that was a long time ago so yeah I was disappointed I wasn't deep downly surprised uh, but when you let uh, a, a, you know a contract run out on a coach as experienced but not only that the way he 
endeared himself to the public, the fans, the, the community. Um, I think we're not only going to miss someone like Rafa Benitez, very much similar to Sir Bobby Robson and Kevin Keegan. It's it's not also what he does on the training ground and, and the 90 minutes we see at St James's Park or in the Premier League. It's what he does in the community, going to see people, going into schools, um, working man clubs, all them type of things that we don't always see. But knowing the people up there as I do, um, he was a big part of the community and thoroughly enjoyed that. So that is part and parcel of when you take over a position at Newcastle is to get to know the fans and the public. And Rafa did that uh, very, very well. And as I said, he'd be sorely missed. Um, but life goes on. And now we really have to roll our sleeves up and see what the future holds for us at the moment. Yeah. Is, would you, is there a message that you have for the club um, about what, what to do next? Like, is there a message that you can say to them like, like that? But, I, no, I don't no, know. I, I don't like, know what to say. <laughs> I was so no, shocked. No, no. I think like, like all of us, we're, you know, and I met Mike Ashley at, at the beginning of the year at the Chelsea game. And, you know, y- y- your first thought is, is that, you know, do you really want to sit through another campaign of, of really being abused? Because you're not, you're running it like a, a, business, a business, like a shop. Uh, and it's not. It's a football club that has so many emotions and so many feelings and so many traditions and history that goes around it. And, you know, people are involved. It's, it, you have to be, um, you know, mindful and careful of how you, how you treat it. And um, unfortunately, like you said, he does, I said, so he does treat it as one of his franchises. And, and it's not. It's a, it's a magnificent football club. It's great people in that area. It's got the potential to challenge you know, Man City, you know, and Chelsea beforehand, when I was playing in the Premier League, Chelsea and, and with all due respect, Man City, they, they, they was mid-table and we was the ones going up there. And But that was a long time ago. So my message to the club is just, you know, treat the fans with respect. You know, let them know to an extent what's going on. You know, the older people in the in the audience will remember when, you know, Kevin Keegan and Sir John Hall sold Andy Cole. And the next day, Kevin was on the steps at St. James's Park addressing the fans. Not necessarily telling them the ins and outs, but just talking to them and just letting them know, listen, you know, okay, we're, we're disappointed and we've lost Andy, but I've got one or two things up his sleeve. And that, by that time, he'd already spoken to, you know, Les Ferdinand, me, David Ginola and Shaka Hislop. So, he, but he couldn't say that then. But he, he said, look, believe in me, we've done it. I'm going to bring someone in in the summer. And he brought Celez in. And, you know, he was magnificent, Les Ferdinand, 50 goals in two years. So, you know, that's all this fan base and club want. It's just a bit of transparency, a bit of honesty. That's all. Because they will turn up. There, there will be 50,000 people turning up. I'm not sure about the first couple of games because unless it gets sorted out quickly, uh, if it's a takeover and, you know, a big name manager comes in and there's some big signings. But if it's just a, a, a manager that we all sort of semi-know, that's not going to get anybody excited because, you know, I've spoken to a lot of fans and they're also they're thinking about relegation, let alone where... We think well, last season we were stable in the league. If if we had another couple of players like we did, that are $20 million, $25 million, we might have a chance of catching the likes of, which again is, is a shame, which is like Wolves, Leicester and Everton, where before they was in our shadow. So, you know, that's all I would say to the club. And it's not the club, it's obviously Mike and, and, and his, yeah. his people around him. He needs to come out. And, you know, at the beginning, he wanted to be with the fans. He was drinking beers with them. He's got, and then he disappeared. Um and, that, you know, the fans are not stupid, you know. <laughs> they know what's been going on. Uh, and well, all think, they want is a, a, bit, a bit of respect. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, you, you said a word that has come to a lot of people's mind, and it's, and it's disrespect. And I've seen a lot of, a lot of fans come out, and, and they said, you, you know, the club, and Mike Ashley has disrespected Keegan. He's disrespected Allen. He's disrespected Rafa. He's disrespected Jonas Gutierrez. Like, uh, what, uh, from a fan's and supporter's 
perspective uh, with getting that much just time after time disrespected and now the boycotts are starting to be planning like what what do you think is is do you think that's a the best reaction for the club supporters moving forward what 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 could we do on our end to maybe make the situation i know this is a hard question to answer but what could we we do to help if you're you asking me with my hand on my heart and, and then we had this conversation before i don't think boycotting is the best solution i, yeah. I said we should go in there and sing our hearts out and support the players on the field because that, that, that's the most important thing is the players. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that would send a better signal than turning our back on. And it's not turning you back on the club, it's turning you back on the ownership. Yeah. Uh, maybe outside there can be, you know, quiet, well, not quiet, but there'll be protests <laughs> that they're outside and maybe letting him know. But I'm not, a, I'm not one for boycotting. Uh, I, yeah. And I understand, you know, and the people, if their season tickets are, are up at the moment and they don't want to renew it, I get it. I totally understand that. Uh, but actually, buying a ticket and then boycotting and walk out. I don't see the point of that. Um, mm-hmm. But as I said, everybody's got their rights and that, you know, that may be a sign of him, but I, I would just go in there and as I said, sing my heart out for 90, 90 minutes. And if it's about, we want a new ownership and we, I know we've had flags and TVOs and everything else that's gone in involved. He's probably not going to listen anyway. He's probably, as I said, he's very, very rarely there. Um, which you would expect because he knows he's going to get <laughs> he's going to get abuse if he does go. So, yeah. and I said this to the to you group with this. I said if I'm a, a multi, if I'm a billionaire and I own one of my businesses, every morning I walk in, I'm going to get abused. I would sell it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, life's too short. Life yeah. is too short. So every time I wake up, I'm a million. I'm a billionaire, not a millionaire. I'm a billionaire that don't particularly want to be handling this situation. Because if I did, I'd be there and I'd face it and I. I go in and like everybody else in the northeast, roll your sleeves up and get ready to work Monday to Fridays. It, it doesn't, and so why on earth would I put, would I keep going through this each time? It, it's really logically it doesn't make sense, and that's why it didn't make sense to let Rafa go unless the new people coming in said to the old ownership, "You've got to clear the decks. We want to come in with our people. You do that. You get through all that turmoil and disappointment, and then we're come." You know, riding through the gates as, a, as the the saviors of the football club, the football club, and then get this sorted out. Yeah, and the dog even agrees. That, <laughs> <laughs> that even that leads me to my last question. So it's two part. One, have you heard anything on the takeover? And two, if a takeover does happen, and say your your philosophy is right, they wanted a clean slate and a takeover happen, is everything forgiven? Is everything forget? I think no. I think people won't forget what he done with like trying to change the name and as you said, being disrespectful to people. But you, you move on. Life moves on. As I said, life's too short. You get on with it. And the most important thing is taking a club forward. Now, if it's an ownership that we're hoping to believe, it's somewhere in the realms of what has happened at Manchester City, that type of thing. And I think we're we take that all day long because that's where we <laughs> want to be, and that's what's going to need to happen. You know, you to compete with. You know, the top clubs in Europe, uh, let alone the Premier League, you're, you're going to need a, a phenomenal amount of money. But as I've said before in this uh, podcast, is that the stadium's there, the fan base is there, the training ground's there. You had a coach who's well-respected and well-renowned, but you are going to get another top coach as well. So mm. um, I, I think that's what I'm lead to believe, that that's the situation. I know you're seeing things like Mourinho's come out and said, that I don't want a team that's going to be mid-table and just happen He's not going to have that. If he comes to Newcastle with this type of ownership, they're going to want to challenge for, you know, Champions League spots. And, you know, Arsenal in that transition at the moment. Manchester United is a little bit of, 
uh, chaos breaking out there. So the moment's right for someone in this next tier to break into that top six. And why not Newcastle? Uh, yeah. We've done it before and we've been up there. So, you know, that's what I'm led to believe. But again, like everybody else, I, I heard it three weeks ago and it was really solid from a lot of good people, a lot of good sources in the media uh, and in the game. And then it went quiet. And maybe that's all the... Uh, investigation about you know the Premier League has the ownership got money has the money in the account so then type of things take time to go through um, and that's why I said to you before I think the next week is the most important week for Newcastle Football Club because if it is that we are hoping that a new ownership comes in and start a pre-season the manager will have a time to get some players in before the start of the season if it's not then we are in big trouble because we won't we'll have a coach that really will be up against it we'll have players leaving the club, we'll have players coming in with all due respect are not going to be good enough for the level where we want to go to and you're having another year of well, of what's gone on and I think enough is enough so uh, I'm, I'm crossing everything my friend, I've got the toes, my feet, my hands, my fingers, everything crossed that yeah. things pan out in the next week or so because it's um, it's become a little bit desperate now I think you know mm-hmm. um, and, and very you know, frustrating is an underword but it's been really a it's becoming annoying now. We're, we're more frustrated. It's becoming annoying that we want to know what's going on. Yeah. No. Well, Warren, thanks so much for coming on. Everybody, give him a follow on Twitter. It's at Warren Barton Two. Uh, Fox Soccer doing some Gold Cup matches this summer. It's been great. So, uh, all of our US listeners definitely tune in to Fox Sports FS1, uh, FS2 for those matches. Uh, Warren, it's been a pleasure once again. Thanks for coming no on. No problem, my friend. We'll have to have a get together like we did in Denver. Let's try and. Get to a little road trip and get across somewhere else. Maybe Chicago, oh, yeah. Dallas, or wherever. Yeah, we we'll get yeah. a little road trip together. Well, we have a nice update coming on that, which we'll talk about behind okay. the scenes. <laughs> okay, perfect. Right. Oh, there we go. There's a lovely tease. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Nice tease. <laughs> All yeah. right. Keep supporting the team. Keep supporting the team. Let's keep going. All right. Thanks, Warren. Well, 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 Elijah. The time I've always been dreaded has come. Um, Obviously, listening to Warren's interview, it's there's not a ton to get excited about at Newcastle United. So we're going to try to lift your spirits a little bit. It's going to be like bittersweet because we know how things have ended uh, with. But it is we are recording in on Pacific time. It's still Rafa Day, so Elijah and I are going to go over our best moments of Rafa Benitez. Um, Oh, and the fans. There are some fan submissions as well. We can't leave yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask, do you want me to lead with that, and then we can talk about some things? Yeah, let's lead with the fans. Yeah, let's do it. So we asked you on Reddit, and y'all had some good ones that we wanted to share. Um, so let me just pull it up. Yep. So Gola uh, Amiobi. Love it. <laughs> what a name. You slash Gola Amiobi on Reddit says every time he put his glasses in his pocket after a win. Yes. Mm. That's iconic Rafa right there. Um, and then you dash the neck, neck, necomancer 27. That was hard for me to say. Uh, gotta be beating the Mackham with the scouse Mackhams coming back from two Oh down glorious moments. <laughs> uh, yeah. Beating Everton and just <laughs> Jordan Pickford just, rattle is all get out that was probably one of the better wins that we've seen in the premier yeah. league for newcastle right definitely that was amazing in general. <laughs> um somebody else like agreed to that and said like uh you dash old dirty bourbon great name also 
Uh, that was his first match at St. James. So that's a good one to go to. Um, Len underscore bias seven. It had to be when Mitro picked up Rafa after we came back to beat Nor- Norwich 4-3 in the championship. Yeah. yeah, when Mitro picked him up, that was a good one. Uh, <laughs> U-IM danger. Probably because it's so fresh in my memory, the 2-1 to one against City. What a day. A couple of people said that one. Yeah. Beating Man City was was the best time. U dash Worky underscore ticket. Having a manager that supported the fans, the club, and the team. Rafa just got it. Uh, where many others haven't. Yes, men like McLaren and Pardue. And he stood up to Mike Ashley and fought for the future of our club. And he still made a profit. Mm. Yep. Um, you dash Brown smoke said many memories bunched together in that for me was that after years, the game was, wasn't dead for us. If we went a goal down, Matt Ritchie's goal against Burnmouth this year was the peak of that for me. And then the last one is you dash FTP 82 sloppy as F, but it was when he'd stay after we got relegated. That's when I knew we had a manager that got us and was willing to build a legacy. Um, That'll preach. Elijah, what's some of your best Rafa moments? Um, Well, I think, Ooh, okay. So this is actually one that I don't think fans remember, um, but it's a, just a game because of everything that kind of happened. But uh, it's uh, the last game of the championship season. Um, I think we played – who do we play? Brentford, maybe? I don't even remember who we played. Uh, for – Championship uh, season. When we won the championship, remember that? Oh, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Well, I anyway. Should we should know uh, this. I, 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 literally, I literally had it written, written down, and then I just was like – I forgot. No, it was Barnsley. I knew it started to be. It's yeah. Barnsley. I just okay. looked up. Okay. Um. But I think it was. I think it was a cool moment because we were just all waiting to see what would happen in the Brighton match, and then just like the sheer joy of St James erupting. Uh. And it's little did we know that was going to be, you know, the only silverware Rafa brought us. Um. I mean, we could have even won some silverware this summer with them with the the old Asian Challenge Cup. I don't even know what it's called. But it would have been a funny trophy to take home. But yeah, that that's definitely one of them. Another one of his is um when Rafa Benitez created an Instagram because that was amazing. Yeah. Um, and that was one of my favorite moments. Actually, that probably is my one of my favorite moments of Rafa's whole entire career. I uh, created an Instagram and immediately posted his two dogs, which is just <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean I think there's some other ones. I think a lot of people hit on some of the ones this season and during his Premier League campaign. Um, I, oh, I think, and this one was, in no disrespect to Iosi Perez, but um, I think it was cool that Rafa, after all these years of me saying he has an unnatural obsession with Iosi Perez and all this kind of stuff, kind of admitted to it and then admitted and then immediately dissed Iosi Perez when I think, I forgot which match it was. I think it was, one of Iose's matches where he had a brace where he said, if Iose, you know, consistently performed like this, he'd be at Man City and kind of gave me kind of the confirmation I needed that, yes, 
he likes Iose, but he also wants Iose to be better than he currently is. And, you know, I can honestly respect that because, I mean, I'm all for playing players if you, if you genuinely believe there is potential and you genuinely think they can, you can get the best out of them, that's fine. Um, and then there's people like Greg Berhalter who still play Yazi Zardes, but that's, a, that's, another, that's another situation. <laughs> for yeah. Yeah, for me, like, it's, it's – with sports, it's a lot of, like, the feelings that you get, like, when certain things happen. And, like, I, rem- I remember the day that we signed Rafa, and I was just like, holy – like, what? Like, the rumors – we like we all knew that he was going to sign, and it was still like shocking. And then when the club announced it, I was like, "Hold up, <laughs> hold on, wait, wait a second. This is very un Newcastle." Um, so like that's something that's always been amazing. When we sung his name for ninety, right before when we just throttled Spurs, um, that was pretty great. And there's uh, I can't remember who we played, but we played a game match in the championship where like everyone touched the ball, and we had like. 16 straight passes without them ever touching the ball once and we scored oh yeah to start a game and i was just like this is this is incredible to see uh um, that was an goal too was it yeah look at look at because it was, called, does it it was it again. yeah he does it again but it, i mean it was it was a classic i was a goal where it was like him right in front of the box like he didn't do any work <laughs> he just was there yeah well everyone was there on that that was yeah it's true that was amazing. Um, and then, like, this year, like, I loved his his interview after Leicester uh, when he just kind of, like, just broke it down, like, broke how much the budget was, what he had to work with, the potential of Newcastle. He just said it in front of a world audience. And, like, that was really cool to see because we all had that feeling that he might not be back, but he was, like, making his push still and mm-hmm. loved it. I can't say no one can speak highly enough of the guy. Um, do you have anything else that you want to share about Rafa? Um, I will oh. actually. We I have some stats. Oh, okay. Um, That's Rafa cool. Benitez managerial stats in Newcastle. He managed ninety six matches with us, forty wins, thirty five losses, twenty one draws. Um, that's pretty good considering what he had to work with. I'll take yeah. That. Um. And I was going to say, I think just the way Rafa handled himself with class throughout the entire Mike Ashley reign um, is definitely something that should be celebrated. And his relationship with the fans, and I know people have touched on this, but it's really cool to see running like the coming home Newcastle count, the amount of people um, who Rafa has like personally impacted that you don't ever read about. I think in today's society, like it's so easy to when you do something good and you do something nice to immediately post it on Instagram or post it on Snapchat or Twitter so everyone can see, oh, hey, look, I'm a good person. And there's so much that Rafa's done for, you know, kids with cancer, people who've been going through hard times and people who are super fans who've traveled from, you know, Australia, China, America, who just have run into Rafa and he's been like, oh, hey, come to the training ground or he's, you know, seen kids with cancer and, kids who are literally on their deathbed and like he'll, you know, invite them out to training and give them a personal tour and have them meet players. And it's like, he doesn't have to do that. Um, And, you know, you know, Mike Ashley, his club isn't a club that really is willing to do that as well. 
Um, and so he took it upon himself to do it. And he's not one to talk about it and brag about it, but you can tell that it's impacted a lot of fans. And so many people tweeted, tweet about it in, in retrospect and after the fact saying, I mean, he didn't have to do this, but he did. And I think that was the coolest thing to see was even in, in every other sport, every other player seems to, and coach seems to broadcast, you know, their philanthropic efforts and, and Rafa just plays it cool and acts like that's what you're supposed to do when you have, when you're in the position that he's in, like you give back to the people who um, support you and for him, that's the fan. So it was cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. We, we were lucky to have it. I, I'm pretty sure most of us will not take or have not taken the time for granted. Um, I think everyone at Newcastle kind of knows what we lost and it sucks that we have to do a podcast about it because I, I would have, I mean, any sane owner would have signed him to a lifetime contract and just mm. called it a day. So, uh, or, do you have anything else that you want to say, Elijah, before we close out? Uh, I mean, if you haven't been checking out the site, uh, we've, I'm not going to toot my own horn because it hasn't really been me, but there's been a lot of really good stuff. Greg wrote a great, he's pumping out some good pieces. Um, I know, uh, Kyle, AKA one lost muffin and Brian are doing a pretty cool series about, uh, Newcastle through history. Um, and Graham's just been killing it, getting in contact with all supporters group, um, supporters groups and like the supporters trust and exclusive interview with uh, boycott St. James park. Just like just a lot of really cool stuff going on on the site right now. Um, and so if you haven't checked it out, check it out. Yeah, definitely do it. Um, it's sad that this is the podcast, the last podcast that we can officially record and say that Rafa Benitez is still our manager. Well, at least for me, not for you right now, but we, you mm -hmm. get the point. So we definitely thank Rafa. Thank you for the bottom of our heart. Everything that you've done from Newcastle, it's been amazing to watch. It's our football club. It's our fan base. It's the city of Newcastle. And it's all Newcastle supporters around the world that you made proud every single week. We're going to miss you. And we hope that this spurns something for the better in the future. It's all we can hope for. But in the meantime, Elijah and us will be Elijah and us. Elijah and I will be spitting out some super hot fire. We'll hit you with something next week. We'll uh, we'll keep it going. Uh, club never stops, so we got to keep keep it keep it rolling through. So I'm your host, Greg Troxel. Thank you for listening to episode 67 of CHN Radio. The best damn co-host in the land, Elijah Newsom. Another great job by him. I mean, you can't say enough about the guy. And please enjoy <laughs> the beautiful rendition of Blade and Races. And as always, away the lads. She was heavy laden. Away we went to Lang Collinwood Street, that's on the road to Bladen. I got two black eyes and a broken nose and gammons are bleeding razors. Oh.
we got the we put on the way we went again But them that had their noses broke they came back our again Some went to the dispensary and some to Dr. Gibbs's And some to the infirmary to mend their broken ribs's Sing a song and I sang the Paddy Fagan. I danced the jig and swung me twig the day I went to bleeding. Oh, <laughs> 